0: This episode is sponsored by Cozy. Did you know that there's an organizing app designed just for families? If you've started to feel busy again, and for a lot of us, I think we never stopped, and your calendar is filling up with more events and kids' activities than all of last year, why not do your future self a favor and get Cozy? Cozy is the number one organizing app that families use to juggle school schedules, practices, meetings, doctor's appointments, and even a workout or a date night. Imagine that. And it was even named a must-have app for better life by the Today Show, With Cozy, you'll be all set up so everyone knows who is doing what, when, and where. Cozy will even send emails every morning with the day's agenda. How cool is that? So no more missed pickups or double bookings. And here's how it works. Cozy tracks everyone's schedules and events in one place with a shared color-coded calendar, And It's easy to get started. You can even pull in events from your family's personal work and school calendars. The best part? It's free. Just download Cozy Family Organizer from the App Store, that's C-O-Z-I, to get the free app today. You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so glad that you're here, as always, and if you are a first-time listener, welcome. I'm so glad that you found the show, and this episode in particular, because I'm speaking with the brilliant writer and director Amy Kopelman, and she's joining me to discuss her new film, A Mouthful of Air, which is based on her powerful novel of the same name, now, that book came out about 20 years ago, and when it did, it was compared to such works as Carol Perkins Gilman's A Yellow Wallpaper and Sylvia Plass, The Bell Jar, and it's not only because it was so well-written, but because the message within was so tragic and so real and so raw. I think it touched so many women, and it continues to do so today, and this new film that's coming out starring Amanda Seyfried is carrying that torch on, that message on. And so this is a conversation about maternal depression, its causes, its cures, and the toll that it exacts on the woman's family. But it's not a conversation that should bring you down. I think when any woman stands and tells her truth, it emboldens all of us to be able to know ourselves better, to be able to say our own truths without shame, without trepidation. And so that's what Amy is doing here today. That's what she does through her work. Um, And I'm so grateful to have women like that on this show. Speaking truth and uplifting all of us, all across the world, with that message. Um, now the film comes out October 29th in select theaters only. It's not going to be on streaming, so get your girlfriends together, and and get out there and see this film. You know, it's not a fluff piece. It's going to make you feel something. It's going to. It's going to get you at your core. But honestly, that's a good thing. That means you're growing and evolving. And if you're there with your girlfriends, it's that much more fun. So be sure to see the film. Until then, please enjoy this episode with Amy Kopelman. Well, hello, Amy. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm going to jump right in. You know, your novel, A Mouthful of Air, came out in 2003. Why do you think a story like this is so important to share with each new generation of mothers?
1: Oh, gosh, that's really a great question. No one's asked me that. Um, I think that the world now, or, or women now, are more open to talking about how they're feeling. I think, you know, because of social media and there are women out there you know like you do you post and you talk about your vulnerability and so i think often we're able to understand someone else's life experience or understand our own life experience through fiction you know we we have these characters that we hold on to since you know we're we're children and that's our example of of that so we're able to kind of forgive characters more easily than we're able to forgive ourselves so um that doesn't really answer your question as much as to say when it came out there wasn't even no one really ever used the word postpartum depression I remember um and I don't think anyone actually sets out to write this book like if I knew where this book was going I don't think I would have written it um at the time I think I was just not consciously but somewhere inside of me writing through the fear of like, what if I hadn't gotten the help I needed? What if I made different choices? Um, But like I said, I wasn't aware of that at the time. At the time I was playing with my kids and I was very well and I wrote the last scene and I was like, wait, can a mother even hurt her child? Like is a mother physically capable of it? And I went to the computer and I Googled, I wasn't Google, I went to ask Jeeves that there wasn't (laughs) and I was like, can a mother hurt her child? And um, this website came up, a rudimentary website with like this flashing butterfly. And it was a letter from a mother to her daughter who had killed herself. And that was after having a baby. And that was the first time I'd ever seen the words, you know, postpartum depression. And I thought, oh, this is a thing. This is a real thing. And it's worth talking about it, even if people think that you're, you know, a freak and a terrible person for it. Um, And so to see, I I was talking about my daughter earlier. My daughter sent me an Instagram post a couple months ago of a woman who was pregnant and talking about her perinatal depression. And Mm -hmm. she said, oh, mom, I think this would be of interest to you. And the idea that she knew that this would be of interest to me, it somehow came across whatever her algorithm was, it came to her that, that she should see this and that she knows what this is and she can mm-hmm. talk to, you know, when she gives birth, she'll be able to talk to her friends. Um, that made me understand and feel more secure about the fact that people would want to read about this still.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that I, was think I think the longest
1: answer ever to
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but I feel like you have to go down that road to explain fully, you know, why it's here and why it's still so relevant. And I absolutely agree with you. Like nobody really prepares you for what life is going to be like when you have a child, even when you do read all the books and the, you know, what to expect and all of that. Like when you're in the moment, when you're in the day to day and the days feel like they're weeks long, it, it's a whole nother ballgame, which is why I love this book and why now it's a major motion picture with Amanda Seyfried. Congratulations on that. Um, you. Can you can you take us through the premise of the film and Julie, the the main character?
1: Uh, sure. And, and just to say something about what you just said, I, I realized a very simple way to say it the other day, which was nobody tells you how scary it is to become a mom. You know, you give birth and, you know, you have this little baby that you that's looking at you that you love, and you realize it's your whole entire responsibility to take care of this baby and to protect this baby. And I think often for women, um, we're so good at learning at a very young age how to smile to get out of a room, even if you have a, a you know a happy childhood and you're not trying to get out of the room of your parents fighting. You know, you get older and you start to know like. If you're a room, in a room alone with a man where the door is so that you can back out with a smile, we're always backing out with a smile. And you have this child and it forces you, whether you want to or not, have to actually confront things from your own childhood. Those All those uh, mechanisms, all those versions of smiling that we use to protect ourselves, we don't have because we look at this child and we, re- we remember ourselves as children and we realize how little we were and how innocent we were and how none of it was really our fault. And so I think giving birth not only is physically, you know, rough on a body um, and tiring, you know, raising children um, and the things you just said, but but it also is um, emotionally jarring. It, it jar- jars us. So, um, and it's also the most wonderful thing in the world. So <laughs> it's a very confusing thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, as I said, I didn't know exactly what I was writing when I was writing, but I knew I wanted to write a book about shame. And I knew I wanted to write a book about a woman who sees all the beauty in the world, sees uh, the little yellow flowers popping through the ice, you know, the sound of her daughter's laughter, holding her son's hands, being with her husband, like sees it all all the beauty and yet it's the beauty that crushes her, like the fleeting beauty of knowing that, you know, everyone you love, you're gonna have to say goodbye to. And, you know, all of us understand that. And I think for the depressed person though, these feelings, you the volume of them, you can't really adjust. And so that's all she's really thinking about am I going to hurt? I'm getting to your answer about the movie, you know, like, am I going to be a good enough mom? Mm -hmm. Am I going to hurt my children? And because she's not well, she really believes that as much as she loves them and as beautiful as she thinks life is that the best thing for her family is for her to live in a world without her. That's the best thing she could do for them. So I wasn't really ever thinking about making this into a movie Because, you know, like you said, it came out a really long time ago. And I thought people knew about this now. And, like, this was great. People talked. And then I was driving down the West Side Highway in Manhattan, and I must have been listening to doctor's radio. And this woman called in, and she said she was crying. She was alone in her house, and everybody was out. And she was like,
0: This episode is also sponsored by Kindred Bravely. Kindred Bravely came to life in 2015 by Deanne Akerson, a mom of two, when she couldn't find any comfortable and functional pajamas to wear. As moms, we have to stick together, which is where Kindred comes from. And Bravely, well, being a mom can be tough. It is definitely not for the faint of heart. Kindred Bravely is devoted to making life easier for pregnant and nursing moms, from breast pads and non-skid socks to nursing bras and the most comfortable pajamas that I've honestly come across. And they use a lot of bamboo fabric in their clothing line, which I adore because it is so supple and so soft. Um, You really have to feel it to understand. Perhaps most importantly than her clothing, is Deanne's mission to build a community of moms who support and celebrate each other. In fact, behind the scenes, Kindred Bravely employs more than two dozen work-at-home moms who share Deanne's mission and values. If you'd like to try out Kindred Bravely for yourself, be sure to use my code UNSTRESS20 to save 20% off your purchase at kindredbravely.com.
1: And she was like, I'm so scared and I can't tell anybody. You know, she, she, and I, I remember thinking, wait, I don't understand. This woman obviously has very bad postpartum depression. We, no one. She's scared to tell people. You know, she's scared. You know, they said, "Well, why don't you go speak to somebody? Why do you go to speak to a counselor?" There's no counselors, Jamie. Why don't you go to your church? Oh, I could never say that. Like I would, and so I realized that the shame that I was talking about earlier, um, and the question of what it means to be a good mom, even though. It is twenty years later. Is um, still relevant, and so that's when I decided to try to figure out how to make it a movie because, you know, we watch TV and movies much more than we read books. Mm-hmm. You know, those become the characters that we identify with. Like everybody who watched Breaking Bad thought they understood what it was like to be a meth dealer. So you know, <laughs> so like you know. Um, but in all seriousness, that's that's what made me do it because I thought, well maybe there's a way if I find the right person Mm. who people know is a good person and an earnest person, like Amanda is truly what you think she is. um, Somebody that you would always forgive, like that you would always have empathy for that. Maybe I'd be able to tell this story in a way um, where people could see themselves or see their loved ones and in some tiny, tiny, small way, maybe get to help some people know that they're not alone um, and that they should ask for help. And it sounds so hokey, you know, to say like, oh, Oh. you should just ask for help. But, um, you know, I have a 25, almost 26 year old now and a 21 year old daughter. And um, I never was suicidal with, with, I never had like suicidal thoughts or anything um, when I had them. But before I had them, I I was a very not well person for periods of time. And um, I just look at them and look at my husband and I'm still just so grateful that I didn't make those choices, that somehow somewhere in me, I knew this isn't right and I wanna get better. And so if this movie could help other people do that, um, you know, and understand that a lot of people are feeling this way, then maybe when they're out with their mom friends at the park, they won't be scared to to say anything. Or maybe when somebody who's gone through this is at the supermarket and sees a woman who's alone there with a child, like, you know, drop something and she looks scattershot Mm -hmm. to say, hey, you know, how are you? And like, just break, you know, the thought, the thoughts and, you know, look at the person. I think- Um, Part of motherhood for many women is this feeling of also becoming invisible. Um, And so like you're not only are you invisible because you're no longer working at your job or maybe you are, but then you have to leave and you have this, you know, you're also um, your emotions have to be invisible because you feel so ashamed about them.
0: Yeah. And it's so crazy to even like know that that is the reality, but like with writers and directors like you putting this work out into the world, you are healing massive amounts of women on a global scale in real time. Like, did you know when you were writing it, when you were involved in making the movie that this was the impact that it was going to have like global healing to the mothers? (laughs) Well,
1: I, I am hoping, I mean, we, we, it's, it's an independent film. Like we didn't make it for a lot of money and we were really lucky to get to sell it to Sony and they're putting it in 800 theaters, but I'm trying to figure out how to get people to know that they can, that it's there and they can go, um, to the movies. Um, so I, I, I'm still not ready to think that it happened, that it got to people, but I think that's 800 communities I have a chance still to get Mm -hmm. to because of people like you, like you can tell people and then they'll know in your neighborhood or in your city and maybe little by little, hand by hand, woman to woman, um, us moms will, you know, pay it forward for other moms. And, um, in the movie, I also really tried hard to show that, um, Julie's husband is a prisoner in a way. He's a victim too. It was very important to me to show the collateral damage um, that suicide and depression that that can have on a family. Um, That is never the best thing for your family. Even if you really are sure of it, Um, you just shatter everyone and that trickles down for generations. So I really tried to show how hard it is though, to love somebody who's depressed because mm. you're always scared. You don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to do the wrong thing. You don't want to be the last person that, you know, they say. And so it's hard for the those people too. It's hard for uh, the mother of the person it's, you know, and I think that, that all of that needs to still be talked about um, and not just for mothers, for, all people, like, it's not exclusive to my mothers. It's, right. it's people in general um, who have depression or who even just are very sad.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that this movie would come out now during, you know, we're 18 months into this pandemic. You know, suicide, especially among young people, is at an all-time high just based on, you know, kids being home and separated. Do you feel like the timing is, is almost... <sighs> I don't know, I don't want to say like God given, but like there is a reason that this is coming out right now. You've already written the book, but now is the time that this is coming out.
1: Um I I it sounds so silly because I keep saying the same word. I I just know I feel grateful that it's coming out. I don't, I don't think I I mean I haven't at all made it clear like how impossible it was to get the book published and the pushback. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to get the book published, um, I mean, it's really a 20-year-old book. It took years to get published because every single agent in New York City rejected me. I mean, it's true. I still see most of their names now. And I'm always just like, yep, I remember that. I remember that. And at the time, like I said, there wasn't really the internet. They were all self self-addressed stamped envelopes. So like every time they would come back in the elevator with my husband, I'd be like, well, I don't even have to open it and throw it out because no one is gonna send that back if they actually wanna sign you. And I remember speaking to this one woman, I actually remember her name and she wrote me the nicest letter. And she's like, the reason I got into publishing is to tell stories like this. And then, um, but I, I can't publish this because it's too dark and there's no audience for it. And I remember This woman, Andrea Yates, uh, she was really the first, she was on the cover of Time Magazine for A Horrible Thing. She had killed her children. And that was when they first had postpartum depression on the cover of Time Magazine. And this was like, you know, a couple of years later. I remember calling the same woman and saying, no, see, this is a real thing. Look, it's on the cover of Time Magazine. It's tragic, but we need to tell people like, obviously this is the worst, most exaggerated version of it, right? Like this is psychosis, doesn't happen to most people, thank goodness, but it it does happen. Like we, she needs to be a cautionary tale. And she said, yeah, you're hundred percent right. Now you will never get the book published. Um, And I finally found this woman, um, Amy Renard in San Francisco, and she published the, she, she said, I'll be your agent. And she found this little independent press that was good. It was really good at the time. Um, The man who owned it passed away. So it's not in business anymore. And he put out the the book um, and that was like a miracle. Like it was, um, you know, and, it was never, I can't say it was a bestseller, but it got to the people that it needed to get to. And it started a conversation in a very small way, you know, at least around the people I knew. And it also made the moms very reticent to send their kids to my house for a play date until like a month later when they realized, wait, if we don't send our kids to her house, they're going to all have to come to mine <laughs> <house."> Because <laughs> I really love children and I love, you know, Being a mom is the best thing that ever happened to me Mm. and um, I want everybody to have the chance to have that kind of joy um, without the gauziness of depression with, you know, I said this the other day, I hate like repeating myself, um, but you know, everyone should be able to go to the park and put their child in a swing. And be able to both not be panicked that the baby's gonna fall out of the swing or all you know the swing's gonna drop from the bar on top or all the things we worry about, and not be pushing the swing kind of not in the present, but with yeah. like this gauzy feeling between you and the moment. So like you know that this is a pretty moment, but you're there, but you're not really there. Like I, I want as many people as possible in whatever small way possible to be able to push that swing and be there and have that joy, you know, be able to feel that joy without it crushing them. Um and without fear overcoming them. And, you know, Julie is somebody who doesn't have, you know, financial obstacles. She doesn't have obstacles in terms of um you know, access to doctors, knowing about doctors, and yet she still doesn't Get the, tr- she doesn't make the right choices because this, this pressure to be a good mom is so much stronger, um, in her head, what she, and how she defines that, um, the, you know, then all the voices around her. And, um, I consciously did that because I thought, you know, put one subway stop in, in the middle of that, make, make somebody a single mom and she's raising the family. There's like there's. If Julie isn't going to go get help and get better, how how are we going to reach women who have no support system and are trying to survive? Like, how do you and also like, you know, how do you piece together like the fact that like it is hard and they should be depressed versus depression? Um, and so I also have always um, I've written three novels and they're all about maternal women's mental health and say, you know, how do we reach those people so that we explain that depression, real depression, um, whether it's, you know, clinical depression that you've had, you know, since a child or since you were a child, or if it's new from an inciting incident, your parents died, there was a car cre- you know, a, from grief or, you know, postpartum depression, which you don't have to have a history of depression to have postpartum depression, Um, it's an illness no different than um, asthma or diabetes. And you want it if you were standing at the park with that swing, oh, I've never made, I've never made this connection before. It's the same analogy. It actually can all work together. You would never not take asthma medication. You would never say, wait a second, I'm not gonna take asthma medication because I can't breathe here in the park. You would Mm -hmm. take the asthma, you would take your inhaler, it'd be in your jeans, you'd do it, and then you'd keep swinging your child. And you would never have guilt about that. Um, And somehow we need to explain that because the other problem with depression is the symptoms of depression are the exact reasons why we don't get help. It's like the voice in our head telling us everything's hopeless, that we're terrible, that we're not worthy, that this beauty that came out of us is a con, like we tricked everybody because really we're terrible people on the inside, you know, and Mm -hmm. so all those affirmations are the kind of things that don't actually help you (laughs) get to the doctor's office, which is why it's up to friends... And family to look for it. Um, and in this particular case, we're talking about postpartum depression, you know, after the person gives birth. I mean, something like 80% of all women, I actually should find out that number have, you know, the baby blues. Yeah. But for somebody who has postpartum depression, that doesn't go away. Sometimes it doesn't happen to like a couple of months. Right. Later. And but since we've all understand, even if it's just for a very small amount of time, what that looks like, we have to look at it, you know, in our friends and in strangers and in like you we just have to actually look out for each other which again sounds so
0: so like Pollyanna-ish but um but it's truth I mean what do you what do you think about it was about you that desired to really look at it to really dive into it to explore these darker themes when so many other people you know are reticent to do so
1: I mean, I I look back, I mean, I'm a very shy person. I, I mean, you saw how flustered I get just trying to turn on the computer. I stay, you know, mostly by myself and my little family and my couple friends. And so when I look back and I think like, why did I keep sending it out to agents? Like why with my personality did I think, why did I have the audacity to just keep sending it out? And I guess there was something in me that was, I guess because for me, reading and characters were so important to my survival and my understanding that I wasn't alone in the world. Like, you know, when you're reading and you have a moment and you read a sentence or a paragraph and the author or the character, you know, is talking through the character and puts into words these feelings that you have that you, you might not even know you have or you have and have never been able to articulate and you make that connection. It's like, it just makes you feel not, you know, understood or, yeah. you know, that scene thing again, even if you're alone with a book and no one else is there, you go somebody, somewhere out there, somebody understands this. And so I guess that idea that like maybe somewhere I will get this story to somebody else who needs it so that, so that they get the help that they need. If it's only one person ever, that will be worth it. So that's why to say like, to think, oh, I have 800 screens. Like that's 800 800 people no matter what if one person goes to each of the movie theaters. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't mean to get choked up, but it makes me hopeful. And there's so much divisiveness. But I think that this is one of the things that we can all unite with as women and mothers and human beings that... Um, no, nobody should face that kind of sadness, um, alone. And it also, you don't have to, you can take medication.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that, I mean, that definitely comes across in the book. It certainly comes across in the film. I just, I'm wondering, you know, how did you know that Amanda was truly the right person to play this, to carry this message to so many women all over the world?
1: Well, The only problem with her performance is that it feels so real that it's almost, you almost just want to look away because her, what she gives to the screen, the emotions that she, like, I mean, I hate using the word brave because firemen are brave and policemen are brave and coal miners are brave, you know, but as much as you can be brave as an actor, right? As as this, like, she was totally brave. She just put every fear that she, I guess, could imagine or any fear that she must've ever had as a mother herself and she just gives it to us. And the, way, the reason I knew was because when I, when I went to meet with her, I could see the goodness in her eyes. And that's, <laughs> um, and that was real, like this very real goodness. And um, it isn't flighty like in a rom-com, it's a a thoughtful goodness. And um, her goodness and kindness made me know that even though she did not have postpartum depression, so she wasn't drawing upon her own experience, um, I knew she understood, um, you know, and I was right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really a remarkable performance. Um, And we shot it in 21 days. Wow. And she didn't get paid. And, you know, um, we had a $2 million budget, which is so much money, but, like, not a lot of money at all to make a movie in New York City. But we did it. And, um, you know, people lent us things and, you know, helped us wherever they could, you know, with furniture (laughs) or, you know. um, Right artwork and uh location costs and uh I think I just got lucky I guess like you know I always will tell younger writers like don't write to what is popular now like by the time you're done writing that's going to be not popular like I remember when I first went to school everybody was writing short stories by the time I graduated it was like never write a book of short stories no one will publish a book of inter you know, connected short stories. And you just, if you're writing stuff like this, right, if it's not genre, like if you're not writing a mystery novel or a period or, you know, novel, and you're just trying to write to the truth, um, Mm. whatever whatever that is, uh, just keep on writing that. And eventually time will catch up with you but either way, even if it doesn't catch up with you, you'll know that you did something good. Um, and so I've just been doing what I do. Um, and, you know, a lot, sometimes I would just feel like, why? It's my last book, Hesitation Wounds, was rejected by like 52 places. And I and that was after a movie came out of another book. And I was just like, why do I keep doing this? But I keep, I guess, when I sit down in the room and I I just picture the person that I'm writing to mm. and we're like having this 20 year conversation. And I think my first book, a mouthful there was, as I said, writing through the pain, if whatever, if I hadn't gotten the help I needed. And my second book, I Smile back was what about if I built this little family that I love so much and somehow within me, I'm a self-destructive person, like, you know, my father and I destroy everybody. Um, by, you know, doing terrible things. And, you know, what did they inherit from me? You know, what mm. bad things did she, and, and through those fears. And then I think my last book was like, what permission do you need? It's, it's about like a, a psychiatrist who helps treatment resistant patients. She does electroshock therapy, like, but her brother had died when she was young. And, you know, what permission do we need to, um, as women in particular, give ourselves to be happy you know, to, to why do we feel that we have to pay for joy, that we're not really deserving of it, and that again has that again every single person I know that's a woman, basically, except for like a bunch, some of the mean girls when you're growing up or the mean moms when you're up, <laughs> um, feels that way. You know, yeah. there's there's not a sense of entitlement to happiness when you're a thoughtful person. And I don't think it's like that for men. I don't think that they feel not worthy. Um, and I love men, I'm not like a, I'm not a men basher or anything, but uh, I do think it's just a different thing for women. Yeah,
0: I think so too. I mean, is that, do you think that's what you want your legacy to be? What do you want your legacy to be for your children and the work that you put out through your art? Is it that permission, giving us all permission to be happy and to to do what we need to do?
1: Um, my daughter called me the other day and she said, she had spoken to her therapist that day and she said, you know, you got a really great compliment. Um, and I said, I did, you know, I was like so happy to be part of the conversation. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I you weren't complaining about how annoying I am. Um, and she said, yeah, she said, um, you know, your mother broke the cycle. Like mm-hmm. she broke the cycle of trauma and that really meant everything. Yeah. So I guess if I if I think about it it would be to 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 do that for all little girls so that they can grow up with mothers that aren't so ashamed and don't carry so much um disproportionate responsibility in them, that they grow up with that, that instead they grow up with strong mothers who are present and are able to say, no, you can be whatever you wanna be, you can be strong. And then one day when they give birth, that mother's gonna know like, I'm gonna look at my daughter. Oh wait, you know, she's great. Oh wait, no, you know what? Maybe she's not so great. Maybe I'm gonna go, you know, come over more, FaceTime more, like that's a great thing you can check in. And so uh, I guess that's the answer. If some way, in some tiny way, I was able to help some people realize that they need to stay here and not slip away. And if in some small, tiny way, I'm able to help people um, break the cycle, whatever that cycle is uh, that they've inherited, Mm. that would feel like, all the rejections were, um, worth it.
0: Oh my God. What a beautiful answer. Wow. My God. I love it. Um, okay. To, I don't, it's hard to follow that with, uh, with everything that you have learned and experienced and studied, what do you want the woman listening to this talk to really take home to remember?
1: Um, well, again, I don't mean to be a broken record, but and it sounds so hokey but and simple, simple. but it's, it's actually one of the hardest things for any of us to do, particularly moms, is to ask for help. There has to be somebody that when you look at them, you catch a glimpse of them and understand that they're doing the same pretending dance that you're doing. You know it, like you know who you can reach out to. Reach out to them, reach out to you know, somebody in, you know, where you worship, reach out to somebody in your mommy's group, reach out to somebody that, you know, maybe is part of an internet group that you, and you don't know them, but you know them virtually. And, you know, just, just admit that you're just feeling deeply, deeply sad. Um, and that is the first and most important thing, because once you say the words, that you are feeling, how sad you're feeling, and you see that they don't, you know, make the sky fall in, that in and of itself becomes a victory. When you're depressed, you like have to collect, like hold on to like every little, you know, morsel of feeling like a victory and that in and of itself can sustain you to the next step of then going to get help. And, you know, Make sure you ask a friend or a family member to bring you if, if you're feeling um, the kind of depression where you just can't really function and you're lethargic because you'll cancel your appointment and you won't go. That's another good thing. You could probably do it on Zoom now. But um, And then if you see a therapist and you've talked to the therapist and the therapist prescribes you medication, do not think that you will have to be on that medication for your entire life. If you have postpartum depression, you can get treated. And the way the medicine will work, if, you know, if it's just this one incident is you'll take it for a period of time and then you'll go off of it. And it's no different than if you had to take any medicine for an illness. If you're somebody who after going to therapy and talking about your your history, the doctor or therapist realizes like, oh, this is like your third bout of depression this is yes this is postpartum depression but you've had other periods of depression before maybe you'll stay on the medication but all the things that people tell you about medication all the bad things are not true like I remember before I started taking medication and that was 18 years ago so it was much different than people would be like oh you can't take medication you're never gonna write you'll never be creative mm. if you take medication it numbs you and that's not the truth. Like what medication does is make you be able to feel. It's not like taking Xanax or drinking wine or even getting high. It doesn't take you out of yourself. It makes you be able to feel like your actual self again. And it makes everything kind of go from, um, I mean, it's it, it's it sounds like so ridiculous every time I say it now but you know from black and white to color like you are able to feel because it gives you kind of like a trampoline underneath you so Mm. if you're in free fall you know that you will be caught if you start to cry you know that it will eventually you will be able to stop crying that if you start crying you won't end up crying or you can never stop crying because like I remember that was something I thought like oh my goodness if I start crying like you know the you know, if you listen to a song, you can listen to the song and really feel it. It makes you be able to feel. It doesn't make you numb. It makes you be able to get out of bed and write. It doesn't. I mean, I, I can't say that I've ever, in a word, depressed. Like, who? who <laughs> Talk about the this is ridiculous thing to be doing voice in your head. If you're depressed, yeah. like, you're not doing that. So, and, you know, you don't get fat and you don't lose your sex drive. Like, again, like, I don't know anybody who when they're depressed is like, let's get it on. Um, (laughs) But I should probably use a different phrase because it's a bad Jersey accent. That's what they're gonna remember though. (laughs) Yeah, that's like my bad Jersey accent, like on, like that's the word (laughs) you could could use if you're me. But you know, um, and and most importantly, um, it's gonna keep you alive until you can catch up with yourself. And so, you know, give yourself permission. There are so many places that you can reach out to online. Postpartum Support International has locations, you know, all over the country, uh, people that you can call, hotlines, recommendations of where to go. Um, So, you know, if you don't want to reach out to somebody that you know within your community, because you're scared, then reach out to them go online and reach out, just reach out to somebody that you know is there to answer, like not into the void of being online, but like to an actual person. And I, I know somebody uh, will help you. You know, the thing that I know now that I didn't know then is that Julie misses so much. She, 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 She misses the chance, the joy to get to see her children grow up. The joy of, you know, getting her daughter to call her and be like, "Oh my God, you're so annoying." You know, like (laughs) every ballet recital, recital, you know, every memory. um, She wasn't there for them, and um, I'm able to show that in the movie, different than the book because of time. Like I had the time to see that, but I just think she missed so much. And um, like, if you're listening, don't don't do that. You know, don't miss so much. Like just stay in it for them. They'll really appreciate it.
0: (laughs) I love that, I love that. Amy Kopelman, you are not only breaking the cycle in your own ancestry line. I think you're doing it for so many other women and their families. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for a mouthful of air and all the work that you're going to continue to do that we haven't even seen yet.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me and helping me let people know that it exists.
0: You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast.